welcome to another episode of the Hand Me Up Club. We are back on that two guest episode style. I have two amazing guests with me, and that is Andrea Reyes and Natalia Cerqueira, and they are from the New York City Fair Trade Coalition. And I'm sure you're listening and you're thinking, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that means. Is this about coffee? Is that about fashion? What's going on? Well, I'm going to let them tell you because they will be way more well-spoken and poised about it. And we're all going to learn a lot about this today. And I am really excited to get educated with both of you. So hi, Andrea and Natalia. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad I got connected to you from Rosie. She came to our Hand Me Up Club launch at the beginning of October, and she's like, I know some really cool people. They'd be so great for your podcast. And here they are, two yeah. great people. Perfect for my <laughs> podcast. Uh, my podcast. I think that it says it all about who the New York City Fair Trade Coalition is. So Rosie is an advocate. Yeah. And we have a wonderful community of people who are just constantly putting each other on to cool shit and expanding the movement of whether it's the sustainable fashion movement or um, educating people about what fair trade is. So in general, the New York City Fair Trade Coalition is a group of people who want to participate in pushing the sustainable fashion movement forward. Um, we have members who are business members, so they mostly have their small fashion brand, even though we have some bigger um, larger fashion companies now, which we're really proud of, and people not even located in New York City or in the United States. So we're actually expanding beyond there. Mm -hmm. um, so these awesome. are businesses, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that are not just sustainable fashion brands, but they also can offer services. So we have business members who do web design, graphic design, lawyers, um, all different services. So now if you're a business and you need help starting your own fashion brand, it's kind of like a one-stop shop. And then we have people like Rosie. So Rosie is an advocate. So individuals who just want to participate in this movement. We found that not everybody wants to start their own business. And frankly, we don't want everyone to start their own business, right? Mm -hmm. We want people to support businesses that already exist. Um, so we have about 100 advocates that aren't just our customers, right? We don't want to view them just as that, but are also Good. people who want to volunteer and just want to show up and show support. That's how I got there. Yes. Yeah. That's how oh. I got to the coalition. Yeah. So I'm from Brazil. Mm -hmm. And back in Brazil, fair trade is not a thing yet. It's not something uh, that people are really conscious about or. Oh, I wouldn't say worried about, but I think that we need to do a lot more in terms of education. Mm -hmm. So I came to New York two years ago and I saw how this was big here, like Googling it and trying to educate myself about it. So that's how I got to know the coalition. And then I started to go to some events and I got to know uh, what I could do, uh, what it was. Uh, doing in New York so I started to participate and became an advocate as well and here, now we, are. here we are so first just let's take it back like what does fair trade mean sure. what does that even mean because I'm like uh in my mind again I go back to coffee and I just think of all those coffee stores and like the people are 
being treated well and paid well for their work to get coffee beans. And like, how does that even translate to fashion or what, what does that mean in the scope of the fair trade coalition? So I guess if we're going to talk about fair trade, we need to talk about free trade. So in the United States, we participate in free trade, but it's not free because there's all these trade agreements, right? Like we have a trade block with Canada and the United States and, or Canada and Mexico, and we can have things come into our country, but there's all these duties and tariffs, right? So when we're just trying to trade things, there's all these blocks. Um, so fair trade is the idea that we're going to provide access to market to artisans around the world, farmers around the world. So it's just taking a lot of free trade practices uh, a step further. And with fair trade, we're really trying to make sure that not only are workers being treated fairly, paid fairly, but we want to make sure that the environment is not being degraded, that we're not participating in deforestation. So there's definitely fair trade coffee and chocolate, which so many people are familiar mm -hmm. with, and certification. So you can feel guaranteed that that coffee and chocolate is being made and produced in an ethical way. And the same can be said to for fashion. But as we know, fashion is a bit more complicated mm -hmm. um, because of our global supply chain. So we have a lot of work to do. We can produce something in a factory that is a fair trade certified factory. Um, there are fair trade certified factories in the United States, around the world. But what about before that fabric got to the factory, right? What about how the fiber was grown? Were the was the farmers paid fairly for the cotton? Was it dyed using non-toxic dyes in a country like India or Bangladesh? Um, was it brought to a country and was it cut up in a, in a way where people are being paid fairly? Um, so there's a lot of opportunities with making the fashion industry more ethical, more sustainable. And we can talk about those words a little differently because mm -hmm. I hate to kind of use them all as one interchangeable yeah. word. Um, yeah, yeah. There are, uh, I think that when it comes to fashion, that we are not used to track back and to think uh, how that piece got to that store or got to our wardrobe, what took it to get there. So I think that education is something that is like one of the leading words for fair trade, how we have to stop and think. Uh, uh, what took that piece to be there? The raw materials. It mm -hmm. was something, it was many things before it became a piece. So a we piece could, of garment or anything, sorry. And we could talk about educating the consumer, right? But we find we have to educate the fashion employee. Yeah. We have to educate the brand. Oh, for sure. The brand doesn't really know where their things are made or how they're made. Um, so that's the part that I that I think we're trying to really work towards yeah. now as we have so many members who work in the fashion industry. So how can they educate within? Because it's great if customers know, but we really need people inside to make those changes happen. Yeah. We are too used, I think, doing things certain ways for too long. Uh, and we forgot that uh, we can do it differently. And now I think that it's a uh, uh, like now it's the moment, like the world is telling us in, 
all the way it can, not only nature, people, social behaviors, everything is changing. And I think that now it's the moment for us to uh, change the way mm -hmm. we see things and the way you do things. So educating the consumer, educating the maker. Mm -hmm. I know you guys offer a lot of education with the New York Fair Trade Coalition. Yeah. So tell me more about all, like obviously you have your community and you connect people through that, but you also are doing events and things all the time. Is there sort of like a roadmap where it's like this spring we're talking about sourcing, summer we're talking about production, the fall we're talking about distribution, or how do you guys decide what kind of events you're going to do and sort of how those all go back to your community, what some of these upcoming events might be, what some you've done in the past, mm -hmm. what what's going on there? I think it happens pretty organically. Um, I think we think of our business members specifically as our customers. So what do our customers want? And for the holiday season, they wanted a class on how to run a pop-up. So we had a class on how they could run their own pop-up, how to find pop-ups. Um, another way that happens pretty organically is we have members that reach out to us who want to teach a class. Um, one of the goals for 2019 was to create as many leaders as possible. So it's just not about me, my voice or Natalia's voice, but it's about who in the coalition wants to have their voice be heard and how can we help support it. Um, so we have one member, Melanie, who is, um, I'm sorry, Melissa, who is an expert in uh, blockchain technology in the fashion industry. So she, cool. right? Yeah, <laughs> she, <laughs> that was a thing. you guys can't see the faces, but that's the face that I did. Yes, when I heard first time, it's like, oh, we're going there. We're gonna yeah. teach a pop up class and then we're gonna talk about blockchain technology, mm -hmm. um, and everything in between because I think that we have a pretty diverse group, so there's a lot of different needs going on. But I love the fact that so many of our events are 10, 15 people because it keeps it small and intimate. Mm -hmm. That now when you go to an event, it's a lot of your friends. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're hugging, you're saying, hey, how are you, mm -hmm. catching up. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy that it's kind of happened in an organic way. And I think it will continue that kind of journey. Um, so looking to 2020, we're actually looking to providing more things online. So we're going to call them community call-ins um, because our members told us one big barrier for them getting this education or for participating in our events is just time. They don't have time to, you know, come to our office, come to our event space. Um, so if we can have community call-ins at different nights during the week. We can even record them and then we can share them with our community. Um, so January 2020, we'll be doing Fair Trade 101, Sustainable Fashion 101, um, especially as we get new members to kind of catch them up on that basic knowledge and education. And that's, I think that the sense of community is very important when we have these events. Mm -hmm. uh, since we get to know some familiar faces after a while and we know their expertise, we know somehow what they're going through, their business or not a business necessarily, but something that they are doing. And uh, it's nice. And I think that this uh, says a lot about 
the fair trade and the coalition. It's like creating this sense of community and respect that people may get to know each other a little bit better. And the things behind whatever they, they are presenting, if it's a service or if it's a product, has history, has people uh, making that happen. So I think that uh, if someone is not in the community, is not in the coalition, if people get to know and see that it happens this way, it may be something interesting for the future. It's like, oh my God, yeah, this can work. You know, this can happen. Yeah. So it's nice. So let's let's talk about like the future of the New York Fair Trade Coalition. I know what I think to be one of the most present, publicly present options or aspects of the New York Fair Trade New York Fair Trade Coalition yeah. is the swap shop. Yeah. What What's going on there? What's the future of the swap shop? I'd love to know more. Also, kind of what is it? How does it work? Because I'm sure someone, at least one person listening right now, doesn't actually know what I'm talking about. Um, so let's let that one person know what the swap shop is and then where that's going. Like, what are the plans for that? So I can start off. We... Uh, have a little teeny tiny office in WeWork in Times Square. Mm -hmm. And we opened this office in July uh, 2019. And it's really served as a place that people can come and recycle their clothing responsibly, right? Sometimes people bring things and they're not, um, they're too worn to you. So maybe we can just dispose of them in an ethical way. Um, or traditionally we weigh the items because we want to make sure that we're calculating how much waste we're saving from the waste stream and people can come and, sh and swap or shop any items, um, that they see in the little office. And is it like a one for one trade or it's just kind of, you're here, if you see something, take it. It's a bit of a free for all because okay. we've realized that a lot of times people bring 10 items and then take two. So we're constantly encouraging, especially people who work at WeWork, take more, yeah. please, but. take more. <laughs> um, but Natalia is there uh, the majority of the time. So, yeah, what has it been like, you know, you manning the swap shop? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, so thrifting has been part of my life for a while. I had a thrift vintage shop back in Brazil, and uh, I had to put in a hold since we moved to here i couldn't keep it but i really wanted to continue having this in my life and uh, finding the coalition was something that uh like it happened in a perfect way because uh, i got more educated i got to know something that was new for me uh fair trade itself and uh, the swap shop was going on which is somehow related to ethical and uh, thrifting as well and I could uh, be there managing organizing and keep it in a good way in a good shape mm -hmm. and uh, it's very nice how people also felt well in exchanging and swapping clothes that uh, they were not even thinking about doing but since it was there on their way like on the floor that mm -hmm. a place that they are working at they were like, oh, that's so cool. It's so nice to have a space like this, like on my way to work, like literally in mm -hmm. the building. Yes. So I think that it's something that companies could totally do as well. Yes, because it worked and people were really into it. Like having sometimes when it was almost, it, 
sometimes it's worth like a rental, but no, mm -hmm. not paying for it. It's like, I do have an event. Do you have uh, a piece uh, uh, that could help me to go to this event? And I would try to help them out and they would just return after they just need it for that occasion. Mm -hmm. They don't intend to keep it. Sometimes the people wanted to keep it, but sometimes they just didn't. And it was so cool to see that happening. Yeah, People like, I mean, using I the that. space That's yeah way better than just thinking oh i forgot i need a dress for tonight and then running to any 21 or something place. And just grab yeah a dress. yeah like, that's so much yeah. easier so that's the plan we could make a better use of it if it were bigger yes uh, uh if we had a bigger space maybe so we could host bigger events as well so the coming in and going of clothes would be bigger as well i think that uh, it has a future yes mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of community of uh, being conscious about what i'm getting i don't need this i love that but i won't wear it mm -hmm. i just want to like donate 10 and get one because I really need to make some space in my <laughs> closet. I think it dismantles a lot of ways that we're conditioned to shop, right? So we go into a store, we try a bunch of things on right there. There's a lot of painstaking. Is this my size? Is that my, Ugh. and in the swap closet, you can't really pay attention to sizes often as you do with thrifting or secondhand because sizes don't mean anything. That's true. Um, there's no standard and different companies consider different sizes uh, to fit different people. So first we say, just take it. You know, you take it home, you try it on. If you don't like it, you bring it back. And you know, traditionally when we go into a store also, we find 10 things, we like them, but then we need to make tough choices. We can't afford all of these 10 things. Mm -hmm. um, and the amount of times people were in the swap shop and they're like, should I take it? Should I not? I'm like, just take, take it. Take it. <laughs> um, so it brings the social aspect back into shopping and kind of gets rid of a lot of those other pressures where now we're sitting around and we're pulling out clothes and I'm like, oh, that's great. And somebody says, oh, I lost weight or I gained weight. That's why I'm giving it over. There's a sense of like therapy to it. And then when they find something new, they're so excited and it's almost like you're shopping with a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, and I think so many of us in our busy world are even shopping online don't get to do that anymore or miss doing that. Um, so I hope that with the next iteration of the swap shop, because we're actually going to be closing it at the end of November, um, just because WeWork has been a great stepping stone, but whenever we host an event, we host them in the conference rooms and we cap out at 15 people because that's the most that's how space big it they is. have. So we're really hoping that maybe we can get a storefront Maybe that's step five. So maybe the next step would be a, an office space that's bigger. Maybe it's, you know, on a, a, a higher floor. No problem, because we do a pretty good job of pushing people to the space with our events. Um, so hopefully it can turn into something that part of it is swapping. Another part of it, maybe some of our members' goods are going to be sold. And then a back part that can be kind of co-working slash event space. Um, and we would really love to treat it almost like a gym membership. So mm -hmm. you pay $40 a month, you can come in, you can swap, you can have some fair trade coffee, mm -hmm. you can sit and co-work. Um, and then we hope it will 
revitalize some of the businesses that we work with. Because obviously if you bring 10 things in, you leave with two, you paid no money, maybe I will pick up that bag of fair trade coffee or maybe I will pick up that scarf from Nepal. Um, so we really kind of see it as the sustainable fashion community center versus mm -hmm. a fair trade shop. Mm -hmm. Community. That's community. the word. <laughs> That's awesome. So... Are you guys looking to be in Manhattan? I'm trying to think what kind of call to action can we send out to people? If you got a hot tip on a space in Manhattan, <laughs> hit I, them up. I hate to say we'll take any space because I live in Harlem and I'll be pissed if I have to go to JFK or something. <laughs> but I'm I Brooklyn, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I think there's something cool about popping up in different neighborhoods. I think there's something cool about... Um, taking over different spaces and then figuring out what that community needs. And I think we've always kind of gone back and forth between should we have one space that we get bigger and bigger or is it better to have many activations? Mm -hmm. um, I think swapping really takes hold when we all have a swap shop that's, you know, 10 blocks away from our house. Mm -hmm. Then it becomes something like an addiction where you're stopping it every day to see Check. what's new. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I hate to use, you know, this word is so capitalistic, but franchise. We almost want to have a franchise of all these spaces um, so we can really kind of be a space that activists can use um, to create change in their own way. Because like I said, we have these members who are really diverse. So maybe we'd have one office where it was more focused on uh, international trade and supplying services like that. Maybe we'd have another space that's more like a maker space that has sewing machines. Um, so I think there's a lot of room to grow. We just need people to grow with us. Yeah, and this uh, uh, talking about this space and having sewing machine and stuff, people use it to get clothes from the swap and they were like it doesn't fit me it doesn't work well and people forget about upcycling repairing adjusting yes being creative about uh, giving that piece a different use mm -hmm. yes doing something else with it and we can also try if we had the proper space we could try to help that better in a better way we try to suggest but maybe we could put into action Mm -hmm. at a point and we kind of have all those pieces through with our members we have one member Halima uh, Threves of Habit she actually takes vintage clothing that's true perfect or secondhand yeah. things and she'll cut them up and make something new into it so she has a summer dress of mine that was kind of big so and it was fair trade so I didn't want to get rid of it and she's making it into uh, pants and a top and a crop top. Yeah. So awesome. We have these pieces. It's of people awesome. Who yeah. Are master tailors who are pattern makers. Now we just need to give them. They are a all home. part. Yeah. They are all part of us. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. So we've kind of talked about how the New York Fair Trade Commission or Coalition, excuse me, is supporting consumers and also all these people that are in your community. Um, but what? What about you? Like, what drew you to it? And what's it doing for you as, like, personal individuals right now? It is an interesting question. Um, so, for instance, this past Friday night, we were at our space, and we were working on our campaign to make Manhattan a fair trade community. 
And these two young women, one from Stony Brook College and one from Columbia University came. And we're all sitting around uh, a boardroom-style conference room, Mm -hmm. all these women going around, introducing ourselves and our businesses and why we're here, having pizza, having wine. And afterwards, these girls came up to me and said, it was so refreshing to be with like-minded individuals. It was so wonderful to be a part of a community that gave a shit. And I forget, because I'm in this community all day long, and I love that I'm able to foster it and support it and uh, give it a really positive culture. I love creating those positive atmospheres, whether it's at an event or in general. Um, So through this coalition, it's definitely given me the ability to move in a variety of different directions. Um, I just finished writing a textbook. So I wrote a textbook on apparel costume. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So now I'm writing a second textbook on fair trade fashion. And second, second she book. said second book. I fixed my hair in a very provocative <laughs> way, listeners. Um, so now I have my whole group that I can reach out to, and it's a win-win, right? So I can go to this group um, and talk about the fair trade practices they have. They're in the book. I get to piece these stories together. Um, it's just a big love fest. And I teach at LAM College and FIT College and FIT. Um, and that is wonderful because I get to plant the seed. Hey, the Fair Trade Coalition, you should join us. Students are free. (laughs) Exactly. And then maybe, you know, a year after they graduate because they're busy students, they miss that college atmosphere, that intense sharing and learning. So then they come and join us and they're very happy to once again be connected with like minded individuals. Um and I get to create a lot of different programming. So I created a class, Start Your Own Fair Trade Fashion Business, and we've been doing this for about two years now, and I've taught over 50 people, and now I get a little um, a bit of consulting work off that, and I was always a little apprehensive to go that route because I love teaching in a shared experience with a lot of people and being able everyone to give their experience and their perspective, um, but it's been really nice uh, focusing in on one person's business and now they have strengths and now I can connect them to other members who have strengths. So once again, it's distributing the money, the power, the influence, the leadership. Um, so it's really starting to work more like a a well-oiled machine where once again, it's not, no one person is going to keep this going. We all have to do it together in order for it to be successful and continue to be successful. Everyone, don't forget, we record this in New York City. So if you hear things, just go with the flow. <laughs> we don't even notice anymore. Oh. Those are crickets. Those are yeah, I wasn't. It was like <laughs> normal. Just normal. Normal. Absolutely. So do you want to talk about A. Bernadette? Just as far as all these things that you're doing, like... Sure. I think it's interesting, um, you know, a little bit about my, I guess, origin story. Um, I was very lucky to know I was going to be in fashion since I came out of the womb. Um, I think I told my mom at five, like, she's unfashionable and I (laughs) have it under control. She doesn't need to worry about my wardrobe. And I was very lucky to grow up in New Jersey. So I got to take the train over and take high school classes at FIT. Oh, 
Okay, so, that's so cool. I was very right. adult from five. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Five years old, high school classes at FIT. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they were a little scared of me, so they definitely were going to say would, no I to would. anything that I said. I would be. Um, so I came to FIT. I, got cl- I took high school classes there, but um, I actually was rejected. I applied to fashion design, and because my GPA was not good, I was not good at math and science. Mm-hmm. did not care about those things at the time. Now I very much care about them. So I was rejected, but I knew from the high school classes that I could take a continuing education class. So I used to take classes just in the evening, and eventually I found pattern making. So I reapplied. I got accepted into pattern making, and I was very fortunate because... I knew through this degree, uh, I could actually start working in the fashion industry immediately. So at 19, I got my first full-time job working in the fashion industry as a technical designer. Overly confidence has worked for me time and time and time again. <laughs> um, but however, in my head, I, I keep saying hashtag humble, humble, humble confidence. Yeah. <laughs> That's my rap name. Humble confidence. Um, so... It honestly sounds like a millennial baby name. <laughs> Humble confidence. Ugh, yeah. It really oh, does. Yes. Now we do have Scratch a baby that. name. <laughs> my mom encouraged me to buy really? abernadette.com when I was 16. And my aunt, for some reason, she used to always get me on the phone and lecture me about starting my own business and saving receipts as tax write-offs. And I was like, okay, Ansu, okay, whatever, whatever. Um, I don't know. They're not entrepreneurs. They're not, uh, if anything, now they look at me and they're like, go get a job, go get a 401k as they get older and more nervous about (laughs) the future. Uh, but so I, I had abernadette.com. I kind of sat on it and, when I was working full-time in the industry, I had a realization, this was it. I'm just going to make money and not even have time to spend it. And I'm just going to shop online and get nice things sent to me. And I don't even have a place to wear them because I'm working all the time. Uh, so I actually quit my job when I was 21. Hey. <laughs> yep. And I encourage everyone to quit your job, change your life. Uh, and I went to Uganda. So I went to Uganda for six weeks. I volunteered there, traditional volunteering. Um, but I saw all these tailors, and they had beautiful sewing skills, but they had no access to market. And then I saw all of these markets full of secondhand clothing. And I read this book, Travels of a T-Shirt in a Global Economy. And I kind of pieced it all together that I was going to make things from secondhand materials, um, create them into home goods and bring them into the United States as going green recycled products. In 2009, I came back to New York from being in Uganda and I started my second degree in international trade and marketing. So FIT, international trade and marketing. I was very lucky that I did every group project on my future business. So the classes are import export. So I had a whole import-export plan on how A. Bernadette was going to bring things into the United States. My global marketing had a plan for that. My international finance. So by the time I graduated with my bachelor's, I had a pretty good business plan. And I had also convinced my big sister to go to Uganda herself and check it out. Um, Uganda is known as the Pearl of Africa. 
So the town that we live in is the source of the Nile River is there. It's just tropical paradise. Um, mangoes, avocados, pineapples, everything, palm trees. And the people are so friendly. They hold your hand to shake your hand for greeting you for too long. But by the end, you're just, you just feel so welcomed. Um, so she actually found us both a position in 2010 now working in Uganda for a company that was working with a hundred artisans. So we ended up going there and we lived there for two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. So we would have volunteers come in. We had a house, we had a car. Um, the company was based in Colorado. So they really handed over their whole Ugandan project to us to run. And we got a grant to do solar cooking. So we used to do weird solar cooking things <laughs> and mushroom growing. And I was the designer. So I would design products from recycled materials. Uh, we started with paper, so paper beaded jewelry. And then we actually moved to strap bags. So bags that are made from plastic packing straps, um, bracelets that were made from plastic bags and grass. So that was really, really great not just because we were working with a company and we were uh, doing the things that we wanted to do for someone else, but because they really let us start our own thing off the backs of theirs. And it was very transparent. So we got to learn from them, make a million mistakes. And then when we started our own thing, we made a million different mistakes. So I ended up coming back to New York in 2011. I got accepted back into FIT, back home, uh, for global fashion management. So once again, I took my old business plan and every group project, I did a Bernadette as um, all the classes for global fashion management. Mm -hmm. So I graduated in 2013 and we ran with a Bernadette. Um, but a Bernadette was always created not just with the three pillars, so people, planet, profit, triple bottom line. Um, but we always wanted to first start by offering products and then offering services and then offering trips. Um, it's great if you want to buy a bag, spend $40, help support us. Um, it's even better if you take a class with us right, and join our community. Uh, the best thing to do, though, is come to Uganda with us, come on a trip with us. And that was always the plan. So now how many years later, I don't even want to count, uh, trade shows later, multiple markets later, really getting to know who the key players are in this sustainable fashion world. We've been able to kind of phase out products. And with me becoming the chair of the Fair Trade Coalition in 2016, we really got to ramp up the services and the educational aspect to it. Um, because that's what creates real change, right? I can sell you this bag and you can think it's a great story, or I can sell you how to start your own business. And now you can work with artisans yourself. Um, and maybe you start to work with artisans or maybe you start something small in New York and now it's time to do production and you want to go to a fair trade factory. Well, now you can come on a trip with us. So you can come on a trip, not just to Uganda, um, but we just took a group to Peru. Uh, we're going to be going to Mexico in June. And if it's not with me, there are other people in the Fair Trade Coalition who offer trips too. Mm -hmm. 
because I think that's what really changes people's perspective and that's what really changes um, people you know deep to the core of their being and and really gets them to be an advocate for human rights for environmentalism for social justice um, and I think fashion is just such a beautiful way to get people in the door and then slowly but surely maybe it takes years and all of a sudden you know they're picketing <laughs> on the rights of farmers mm-hmm. um, but we have to meet people where they're at and bring them on a journey that is fun and exciting and is going to help their lives but also the enrich the lives of others i just think of you know the old keebler elf seeing is believing right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you take the trip you see what it's all about and yeah. then it clicks not theory yes yeah, so it's more than that it's more than words okay. for sure yeah so. Absolutely. So you kind of just touched on it where it's okay, you can you can buy the product, you can take the class, you can travel with us. What are are those the steps or what are the steps where people can bring more fair trade choices into their lives? What meeting people where they're at, like what are the most accessible or simple things that someone totally new to this could start implementing in their life? I'm going to tag Natalia to ask that question. <laughs> and it's because... As a consumer, I find myself kind of going in circles. And I'll I'll give the answer, having been on this journey 10 years in, uh, I used to say, I'm only going to buy organic cotton or I'm only going to buy fair trade items, right? Um, The other day I had my fair trade leggings and I paid, you know, a premium and they're great. And the inseam, two pairs ripped at the same time. And I thought to myself, you know, that pair of Nike um, leggings that I have, I've had them for probably 15 years. And yes, they're polyester, but then I have this fair trade item or this ethical item that maybe I've only had for two years. So what is more ethical? Something that I can use and, and use for much longer or something that was more disposable? So I think that customers or conscious consumers were kind of going in circles of yeah i think it's a longer life yeah i think we're gonna go in circles for a while till we are still in the learning process of uh, because if we think about polyester then we are gonna go for the environment issues but then we may think that a bigger brand may not treat workers so well and then we are back to what is more important and is there one that it's more important than the other? So getting there, it's still a working and studying process of, uh, for sure, we can uh, rethink the way we consume things. Our consumption society, our consumption economy can be changed. Yeah, so we do have to uh, try to track back, yeah, see how we can change things. Where is that coming from? Do I need all this stuff in my life? Is it really necessary? Can I just have less of this and that? These are baby steps that I think that in like in a longer way, it's going to have impact. And we are going to learn. We are going to know 
what is truly important and how we can do that because we are talking about polyester but we are still developing fibers that may last longer and they have less impact than polyester so we do have tencel now bamboos coming and then all this is here now and this is new but we only have like you were saying so many options right now right i can't have a hundred percent sustainable item it does it does not exist any item creates waste mm -hmm. so I think there it's complex and I think it's important to have these conversations and not um, perpetuate the cycle that of guilt that you're not doing enough that you're not um, living the most eco-friendly lifestyle that you can because it, it it's not easy. It's they don't and it's make not it easy. fair. And it's not fair to people. Yes, pointing the finger. It's not fair. It's not like uh, we are not blaming you. Okay, yes, <laughs> listeners. It's not that. It's just we just have to think deeper. I think we just have to think a little bit more. Well, we have to yes. change the systems. And we have to, to change no, yeah, what's available. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes, and it's it's a bigger issue because our system makes us behave and consume in a certain way that we got used it to. So we think there are easy ways, you know, we could sit here and say, definitely buy secondhand, right? Yeah. Definitely buy oh, secondhand. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we, uh, the other day I bought a pair of sneakers and it was the first new thing that I've bought in a very, very, very long uh -huh. time, right? And if I have undergarments that I need to buy, I'm gonna buy them that are B Corp, or fair trade items. I like to go to Athleta and get B Corp certified items there. I definitely try and consume uh, undergar or um, garments that are organic cotton for my own personal health. Um, but I think down the rabbit hole we go of, okay, I'm going to spend $100 on this fair trade item, right? This fair trade fashion item. Now we have to think, has this company done a lot of testing on their items? Have they had the money to be able to know that this item is gonna hold up for more than 10 wears? Are they gonna have little holes in the fabric? A lot of little companies don't have the finances to be able to do it. Mm. So is it better for me to go on thread up and buy something that is recycled polyester or maybe virgin polyester but it's going to last me a long time and it's a fraction of the price and for me personally that hundred dollars what can i do with that hundred dollars working with artisans that i work with so i think that especially for people who are listening who are probably uh disagreeing or shaking their head <laughs> i'm also disagreeing and shaking my head at myself mm -hmm. because they're really is that rabbit hole of well this and then this affects this and this affects this and this affects but that's this. the well, nothing's point weighted equal no and i think that shaking the head is the point it's like we are questioning we are questioning ourselves and the system itself so how things are done and this is new so i'm allergic to plaster so i would probably not go to thread up and get that even though it would last more but if you're conscious about getting a second hand and not, and because you need that item, it's necessary for you right now. If we rethink the quantity of things, I think it's a big step ahead. So it's the first thing we should do and shake our heads and think and rethink everything. But with this system, 
because obviously we could do a million things to make a good choice, but mm-hmm. inherently there are flaws in the system. Do you think there are any tipping points or things that could be game changers in the system at large that could make it easier for everyone? I don't know if it's a specific piece of legislation or if it's just um, a way of people shopping in general. Like, I know, like, malls and brick and mortar, that's on the decline. Is that something where it's like, if we just don't do that anymore, it gets better? Or if we only shop in this way? Or if legislation is passed that makes trade only come from this way are there any things you can see as steps that could be put into the system that then trickle down to the consumer to make the whole thing easier because we can make a million choices but if the system is inherently flawed Mm -hmm. you're constantly having to reevaluate what decision is best but if something can be done to like take some of the bad ones out that makes it a little easier it's a great question Mm. because i think it it forces you to think not just one year down the line, but many, many years down the line. Because I definitely know for one dream that I have for the Fair Trade Coalition is we can get to that point where we can start um, lobbying for certain laws to change, um, to hold retailers accountable, whether it's forcing them to all have buyback programs, right? They should be able to intake any package that they put out into the packages packaging they put out into the world or any garments they put out into the world um and i think it's interesting to look that far ahead because then what are the steps now we need to take in order to create those really strong ties within our community where people are going to show up and advocate for that right it takes a lot of people to make that kind of change um but i would say something more uh immediate that people can do and when i say you know the customer i i also think of the decision makers because decision makers are customers right every all corporations are made of people and that's their shell corporation (laughs) that's something else um and so these are people that i think america has been duped in a sense to to think that all they can do in their pastime is shop Right. Shopping is our national pastime, is our hobby. So I invite everyone to kind of ask themselves, you've had a good day. You've had a bad day. How are you going to reward yourself? And it can't be with food or clothing. <laughs> so how Does do you that just change? turn into like bath bombs? <laughs> how do you change? <laughs> That's it. Is that allowed? <laughs> Are they eco-friendly bath bombs? <laughs> Are they replenishing? Are they fertilizing you in bad ways? No. <laughs> um, so how do we change our value system where it's not all about consuming? Because I'm really more on the disrupting side where I think we need to burn some things down and build it back up into what it should be. So when there is a bankruptcy of a fast fashion company, I'm not crying. I feel bad for the workers that that are, but I, I think we're getting closer to steps where bigger companies are realizing that they can't um, continue the way they've been continuing. Um, but I wish there was a silver bullet to that, that the house of cards would collapse in a sense. But then again, I don't cause anarchy is not cool. Um, I will say though, something that is giving me hope or something that's giving me inspiration. Um, somebody said this to me yesterday, 
there are a lot of protests going on around the world, right? There are mm-hmm. a lot of protests in South America, mm-hmm. a lot of protests um, in the Middle East. And she said, you know, a lot of these are on labor rights or um, just democratic rights. She's like, are we having a fair trade revolution? And I was like, fuck yes, we are. Um, so <laughs> how can we kind of co-op this moment in time where there are all these people that are out on the streets putting their lives on the line to protest these things um, and us as Americans how can we either A, support them or um, invigorate us here to kind of do the same because that's what it's going to take to to really make some of these changes happen. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not from here so yeah, I'm a I'm, I have a different perspective, like I'm, I'm someone from, I'm an outsider coming here and checking and living a different culture in a different society. And I, what I have to say, what Andrea just said about the consumption and uh, we, we, we were, you just said that we do this, like we, we buy things. Yes, like it's buying, buying things. That's what we do here. She, and the. I see this all the time and it's very shocking and we do have like from Brazil we see here as like this shopping paradise that we can find anything anywhere everywhere all the time and this is just something crazy if we stop to think about it yes is it uh, uh, but is this just because we're in New York do you think that's the same in like Columbus Ohio I think a lot of people feel sad and lonely in their things are what make them feel happy, and I, f- I think that's sad. And I think that if we, as Americans, we know we have such a huge impact on the world, right? We export our culture probably number one. Next is weapons. I would say so, yeah. <laughs> I think we, should, we have to force, we have to force the, the hand. We have to change our, by changing this habit, we can. But I think that we, uh, have a responsibility to let the world know that it's it's not cool to consume like Americans. It's not. Yeah, I think that's important, and I think that we uh, it's a message that that I really like by being with you guys and learning from you as well, and having this align ideas. It's something that I really would like to uh, bring back home someday, and uh, let people. Uh, be more well educated in that as well that it's not cool it's not that cool it can be cool but it's not working yes and it won't work long term so i think that we can try to force the hand of the industry and by changing our habits people are seeing you all the time even though you don't know that you're being observed by people that are there with you in the society so you changing something may influence someone that you don't even know and baby steps little by little uh, we can change a lot absolutely that was great so i feel like that's like wrap that up (laughs) um but every episode i've been not so great about this but every episode the intention is to end with a hand me up whether that's just your piece of advice a closing remark anything you want to say to just kind of pass on to anyone listening um 
what what hand-me-ups do you have for listeners of the hand-me-up club <laughs> it's like uh, let's change behaviors let's change uh the way we look at each other let's change the way we uh we live our lives let's do little changes in our everyday actions that uh, uh, i think that fair trade has a lot to do with uh, the the word fair has a lot to do with respect and when we are dealing with this it has to be better it's impossible to be the same or worst yeah so it's fair it deals with respect it's gonna be better so I think that if we pursue this somehow in our everyday little habits, we can do things better in the long term. Awesome. I, I'm a believer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a believer. <laughs> She's got hope. Um, I don't know. I'm just um, <laughs> thank you for that lovely answer. It gave me more time to think about what I was going to say. <laughs> um, so something that comes up often at the Fair Trade Coalition, I'm always asking people to constantly question your ethics. Um, don't come to a new piece of information and think you're done and think you've figured it out because you haven't. <laughs> There's always more um not just facts and sets but people's perspectives so really try not to shut out um or think in a black and white way because something that you thought is terrible something some something someone is doing um ask them about it reach out have a conversation and question your own ethics because so often we don't have all of the information or or it's a journey and a process. So, you know, in addition to questioning your ethics, be forgiving with yourself wherever you are in this because um, you're not done learning and growing. And yeah, just continue on the journey. Love it. We're all on the journey. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for coming here. Thank I've learned you. a lot. Uh, where can people find you, find the New York Fair Trade Coalition? What what do you want people to know? Sure. So easiest way is nycftc.com um, or nycfairtradecoalition.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram. So it's at nycfairtrade. And we host a lot of events, so we invite lots of you, events. We invite you to show up IRL in real life, or we're gonna have a lot of online community forums and platforms. Evan Bride. Yes, so definitely come and join the community. Amazing. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of the Hand Me Up Club, and I will talk to you next week. The Hand Me Up Club is hosted by Lindsay Ruter. Recorded and engineered by Adam Zucker and edited by Caitlin Correa at CC Media. Thanks for listening.